Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. As always, I got my co-host, Matt and Vitor, here with me as well. Guys, we are not here to review a win, but this was one of the most fun Jets games that I've watched all year. We got a lot to talk about. Zach Wilson played a great game for seemingly the the third, fourth week in a row. We got to talk about that. We got a questionable fourth down at the end of the game to get into. We got a handful of injuries. Uh, We got a bunch to talk about today, but it's going to be real focused on this Jets-Bucks game because I don't think many of us were expecting this result whatsoever. Vitor, as always, as you are the quarterback here. I'm going to let you have the floor as per usual as we've started these episodes. It seems like we say it every week, but Zach Wilson played another fantastic game, maybe the best he's played so far. And as redundant as it might be getting, you really can't be asking for anything better than that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a dream scenario for Jets fans right now. And it says that all we could expect in a last season was to see Zach Wilson improve. Honestly, I, I was worried when Zach Wilson was struggling that much before the injury, he was not playing well. And he was even below the rookie quarterback level scale. And and that was worrying. And then he came back and it was like step-by-step, right? The Houston game, no turnovers. And then you go to play Philadelphia, touchdowns in the first half, which was rare. Then you go to Miami against a tough defense. You make sound decisions. And and things were building up until the Jaguars game. And he made a lot of great decisions without his top wide receivers and tight ends. And now facing a Todd Bowles defense, a defense that's confusing, a defense that likes to simulate pressure, a defense that's smart. And Todd Bowles, he was our head coach here. We know he always had success against rookie quarterbacks. And Zach Wilson went out there with Killing Colbrex and Barrios and Jeff Smith and Kenny Eboa and said, okay, I'm going to handle that just fine. The Bucks, it, it, you know, Jets aligned, they did a solid job, but it wasn't like it was perfect all game long. There were some plays where pressure got to Wilson, which help, which happens against a tough defense that rushes five or six often. And he was still able to play inside that phone booth, something that many people questioned when he came out of BYU. He had a lot of clean pockets to deal with. It was pretty easy, some said. And, and Wilson, right now, this problem is not there because he's playing with 
pockets collapsing. He's playing with clean pockets. He's playing inside the structure. He can do the play action game much better right now. And, and honestly, from time to time, we're even seeing his ability to run out of the pocket to make some plays. Last week, you saw it more against the Jaguars. This week, as you see, he is just executing the office because when it's there, he's taking it. And we couldn't, I couldn't be more impressed. There were a few plays against the Bucs that are just like, hey. And, and, and I, I wrote that in my article today, right? Some people, and it's fair, they're going to compare the end of the season from Zach Wilson to Sam Darnold 2018. And it's just a lot different. Sam Darnold, honestly, I love what he did in late 2018. But the way that Zach Wilson, is just, Zach Wilson is just challenging those windows over the middle, inside the hashes, in between the numbers, uh, it's just pretty, pretty rare. And, and right now, after this great performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, I'm pretty confident saying he's on the right path. And if the Jets can keep stability around him, coaching staff, O-linemen, playmakers, he is going to take off. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. Uh, I've been waiting to see this kind of game from Zach for, for a while now uh, because a lot of times his passes were usually kind of on target, but maybe a little behind or a little high or a little wide, and his receivers needed to make better plays. Uh, but in this game, his accuracy was dead on. Some of these passes were just ropes that were perfectly on target. Uh, and I, it, that's probably why we were in this to the very end, why we, we were leading uh, the Super Bowl champions, because Zach was on. He was putting the ball where it needed to be for the talent that he had around him. He didn't have much there, <laughs> to be honest. He had Berrios and Yaboa, and I've really been hoping to see Yaboa used more throughout the se season. So it's uh, it's good to see him finally get on the field and, and show something. Uh, but he used what was there. What, whatever the defense allowed him to take, he took it. And it's been a while since we've seen a game where he didn't have a dirt ball. I don't think we saw one this week. Uh, so a lot to be encouraged about. There was definitely a lot to be encouraged about. A hundred percent there. Um, the two things specifically for me from this game that were the most encouraging above all else as first and foremost, we're watching him get better while the supporting cast around him is getting worse. And I don't think that's something that any of us expected that he's been down his top two receivers for a while. Now he's had multiple offensive linemen miss time again in this game. Uh, Connor McGovern didn't play from the start and you had George Fant eventually exit at some um, midway through the game and be replaced by Chuma Adoga where he's throwing to Keelan Cole, Jeff Smith and Braxton Berrios and Kenny Yaboa at tight end. This is not, you know, the most star studded, you know, receiving core. He had Michael Carter for three, three carries. And then Carter gets a concussion and Carter was out for the rest of the game. So he's working with two backup, backup running backs in Ty Johnson and Austin Walter for the majority of the game. And it never phased him. And you're going against the defending Super Bowl champions against a complicated defense. Like you said, Vitor, it never phased him. Uh, he was completely, completely up to the challenge. He was there to make the players around him better. And that's what you want to see out of the second overall pick. And specifically, the second thing that really blew me away in this game, quite honestly, was his pocket presence. And you mentioned it, Vitor, where he had uh, clean pockets at BYU. And when he didn't have clean pockets, he would bail and he would retreat backwards. And when you're at college and BYU and you have this fancy arm, you know, you can get away with that sometimes. And we've seen him try and do that in the NFL and it hasn't worked. And that was the one thing 
that I was really going to say, looking ahead to his second year, he really needed to improve most was being more comfortable in the pocket, throwing, playing from that phone booth, uh, throwing with guys around him, being able to step up in the pocket and use that elusiveness that he has to break sacks and avoid pressure more so than just when he's scrambling or when he's retreating backwards. And he looked so comfortable in this game, just his, his comfortability. It's I didn't even see him look like that at BYU. And that's the most amazing thing in the world to me is that he is already more comfortable in the pocket, more comfortable playing in tight spaces than he was in college with less receiving options than he had when he started. And with a less, a lessened offensive line, quite honestly, even though they've been playing a lot better and they deserve credit, we're going to get to that in a second and talk about how this offensive line, despite their being down, they play pretty well overall. It's still backups. It's still continuity. We saw he had a bad snap from Feeney uh, at one point and he had to adjust from there. If there wasn't a bad snap, he's able to get the ball out to bury us on time. Probably it's a touchdown that wins the game. Uh, he's had to adjust. But there you go. Bad snap against the defending Super Bowl champions. You still get the ball out on time for it to be a completion. This was a a a great game from him. Last week we saw the athleticism and the mobility takeover. This week we saw the brain takeover. And like we said, leading up to the draft for so long, that's the best part about Zach Wilson is that for as much of an athlete that he is, he's just as much of a brain. And we've seen both on display in these past two weeks. Now, who do you think we have to think? Is it the Fleur? Is it his uh, personal quarterback coach that we brought in? Is it just him that's just finally uh, where it's clicking? Who should we give thanks to? Uh, I, I just think he is comfortable right now. He feels at home with the Jets, and, and, and this makes all the difference in the world as a quarterback. He understands the scheme, and, and I think LaFleur has done a fantastic job at just calling the same things, doing the same things, helping him to get comfortable. But I think it, it, we got to take time, you know, time is everything for him. He, you know, it, it was what made him restore his confidence back. I don't know the impact that John back had or the other coaches had, but I just feel like it's something related to his confidence and his confidence is just, okay, I'm here. It's my 17th week in the job. I know everything that I have to do. I know those guys, they are here for me. They're going to protect me. They're going to catch those walls for me. I'm just going to go out and play. And, and I feel like, and that's what's most encouraging because this is this will only get better. And another thing about people comparing the performance from Wilson to Darnold, and I keep saying, Wilson has something that Darnold never had, stability. And that's something you got to thank too. The Jets are just devoted to doing everything they can to make Zach Wilson succeed. They brought John back. They have the, the quarterback coach. They have LaFleur. And early in the season, when Wilson asked, LaFleur was in the silent, which he doesn't like. And it, you can see that this, this, this aura around him that, hey, kid, it's all about you. Th this has to make a difference, right? And, and right now, as much as time is important, yes, Matt, answering to your question, we got to thank the New York Jets organization because I, I, I think they are as devoted as, as I have ever seen in developing and making a young quarterback be great. One thing you just touched on there is stability. And we are sort of banking on that going into next year as well, that this uh, team stays stable and continues to grow around them. So is this a case for not really making wholesale changes to lifelines like the offensive line? 
Yeah, I think it can be. Um, I think more importantly than anything else, it's not make changes in play calling and in consistency of passing of pass catchers. I think that's going to be a little more important than anything else. Zach Wilson not having to learn a new scheme in year two, like Sam Darnold had to, and like a lot of other second year quarterbacks have had to, that is going to be huge. He's not going to have to go through learning a new offense again for his second year in a row, having to forget everything he just spent his entire rookie year working on. He's just going to be building off of it. And so I think that coaching stability and system stability uh, is the most important thing than anything else. After that, it's the chemistry that he's starting to build with these receivers. Uh, and it's Braxton Berrios, who I really hope they they get extended. I'm sure we all feel the same way about that. I'm sure pretty much every Jets fan feels the same way about that. Uh, and then guys like Elijah Moore. And having the chemistry with him, being able to grow with potentially another receiver in the draft this year, you know, having continuity and consistency in his receiving targets, I think is really going to help him because we've seen what drops have done to him, especially even in this game where Keelan Cole is a perfect out route on third down and hits him in the chest against a, an off inside leverage corner. Zach Wilson throws a dart and it's right there and Cole drops it. You know, the plays like that are going to hurt your rookie quarterback, too. But I think first and foremost, it's it's continuity and in, in play calling. And to touch on what you were saying earlier, Matt, is I want to add into this where you're asking who's to who's responsible for for Wilson's improvement. First and foremost, I think it's Zach Wilson himself, because you have a situation where he's playing early in the season and outside of the Titans game. And I would say spurts of the Carolina game. Um most of his first uh, handful of starts before injury were not good. They were like Vitor was saying, they were below rookie quarterback expectation, not good. And to have that happen and get injured and sit on the bench and watch Mike white go out the next week and throw for 400 yards and beat the Bengals and come back and look like a completely different player to never lose confidence, to never to never feel like, Oh no, maybe this is too much for me. Maybe I am the the kid from BYU who was playing against no competition that never, never happened for him. And we've just seen steady, consistent improvement. Zach Wilson himself deserves credit for that forced and for, first and foremost. And I agree the jets have done a really, really strong job of trying to help him and support him in every way they can. But if Wilson doesn't keep his confidence and commit himself to getting better, this doesn't happen. One person I'd really like to think is John Benton, the offensive line coach for the Jets. Definitely. I think he's done a great job of solidifying this offensive line, no matter who he had available, whether it's Dan Feeney, Greg Van Roten, uh, 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 DuVernay Tardif, whoever he's had out there, he's found a way to get these guys to gel together, to communicate with each other. And to put a product out there that keeps Zach relatively safe and to also uh, give him a lifeline in the form of a running game. They've been great the last few weeks of clearing out space for these running backs, whoever is back there, to get the yardage needed to keep drives going and to keep Zach in a rhythm. Yeah, and and we all said before the season, early in the season, this system takes time, especially in the offensive line. I have a friend that's, that's an O-line coach, and he – always tells me outside zone is an expensive concept in a sense that it's not going to be easy to teach. It's going to take a lot of time, but man, once it gets going, it's unstoppable. And I know that the jets are running a lot more than outside zone. They're running a lot of stuff, but you can say that in regards to the jet scheme, it's expensive. It takes time, but when it gets going, it's hard to stop. It's just a well-oiled machine right now. 
you know, Dan Feeney is playing well at center, right? And he, yeah, he is. he's playing, he's playing well. And, it, and it's no shame in saying that he's not the most talented player in the world, right? He's not. And he's just playing well because he knows what to do. And, and, and that's the scheme. Before the snap, the Jets are running to the left. Okay, they're going to motion something to the other side. And then the line is going to shift. And Feeney is going to have a ridiculous easily angle to block the defensive tackle. It won't happen all the time, but that happens often. It's just a scheme built for the running game. And now that's installed. Now that those guys know what they need to do, we're seeing like the benefits of it. And 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 against a really, really tough Bucks front. Like it's really hard to run on the Bucks. Week one in the NFL, the Cowboys said, I'm not running the football with Zeke, Pollard, and one of the best all lines in the league against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dak for the ball for over 50 times because they said it was impossible to run the ball on, 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 on Tampa. And the Jets are like, okay, we're going to do our job. We're going to run the football on those guys, no matter who's lined up there and no matter who we have because it's all about the scheme. It's installed. And, and Matt, you... You mentioned how the Jets need to keep those same players around. Yes, I think the core of the O-line needs to be there in a sense. Like it, it would be interesting if the Jets could bring back Morgan Moses. If they're going to start back 10 and left tackle, at least bring Moses or Fan to play right tackle. McGovern back, AVT with this core back. Anyone that gets placed in is just going to be another part of this well oil machi- machine that's the Jets' offensive line right now. Yeah, I agree. The O-line is is outright kicking butt, uh, especially in the run game. I had a film review come out uh, last week uh, against the Panthers, or the Jaguars, excuse me, where they rushed for 273 yards with over 180 before contact. Uh, and that doesn't happen without, surprisingly, Dan Feeney and Greg Van Roten playing their tails off and blocking people in the zone run game like absolute menaces. Uh, that's that's really what's been clicking, where you're right, they don't have, it's not just outside zone and inside zone, they have some other things that go along with it, but that's been the core of their principles, and that's where they've been springing a lot of their big runs, where if you look at last week against Jacksonville, uh, you have Michael Carter had a 20 plus run to the left side when it was an outside zone call that was blocked up perfectly again this week uh you had ty johnson get a carry on outside zone to the right dan feeney put on an absolutely gorgeous reach block on the defensive tackle to keep him out of the play and open the gap for ty johnson you know these are the concepts that are are hitting these are the concepts that are are working and it has taken time but we're seeing uh the the fruits of the labor of john benton and he you're 100 right matt he deserves a lot of credit uh because he's had a revolving door um at multiple spots throughout the season where he had to bring LDT in off the street, get him up to speed. And he was looking fantastic on, on certain situations. So I want to talk about Joe Douglas acquiring a potential starting guard next year for free. You know, there's great potential here with this offensive line. And I think uh, what you said, Vitor is, is completely dead on one of Fant or Moses has to come back. You need continuity at tackle. You need continuity uh, period. And you can't be, I wouldn't want to be replacing more than potentially one starter on this offensive line. If you go out and find a new starting right guard, then I understand it. If McGovern's injury maybe worries you to the point of needing to find a new center, then I could understand it. But right now I would hope that best case scenario would be to keep one of Fant or Moses and keep Becton where he is at left tackle. And if you have to potentially draft Evan Neal and have him play right guard for a year before kicking back out to right tackle, I think you have to build for the future in the offensive line, but you need continuity at the core pieces because the core pieces are going to be, are working. And that's the important thing. 
And we also have to think about Becton coming back. He never really got a chance to gel with this offensive line. So we should think of him as a brand new starter going into next year since he doesn't really have the experience that some of the other guys do. And if we do keep Fant and he does move to the right side, then we should maybe think of him as a new starter too because we haven't really seen him as a right tackle in this system, Uh, at least not playing at the level that he did at left tackle. So there's a lot of unknowns here uh, going forward. And then there's right guard as well. Do we bring back uh, DuVernay Tardif to maybe uh, compete with somebody from the draft or somebody else? Uh, There's there's a lot of question marks here. Uh, And I don't really see it looking exactly like it did this year. Uh, so there might be a learning curve next early next year as well, but I do have confidence in this coaching staff to get them up to speed. Yeah. Um, actually I'm going to counter you really quick. I think Beckton's going to be just fine because all they did at Louisville was outside and inside zone. And so he's been running, he ran these concepts for three years at Louisville and was excellent at them. Uh, and quite honestly, it's what made him a first round pick. So I'm not really too worried about him coming back in and getting used to this scheme and learning because um, we already know what what he can do in the zone run game. So I'm not too worried about that. I'd be more concerned about Fant moving to the right side and how he's going to look there after playing so well on the left side than I really am about Becton um, coming back in. If you remember before the draft, we were talking about our, our late round running backs before we thought Michael, not thinking Michael Carter was an, op- an option. Uh, and my guy was JV and Hawkins. And he was at Louisville for the same reason that they ran outside zone, primarily outside and inside zone and and split zone and cutback. And that's what they did. And that's what they had done for years. So I'm, I'm confident that Makai Becton, if he's healthy, can step in and execute this system. No problem. That is the least of my worries. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. I I didn't mean to imply that he couldn't do that. I was more him being up to speed with everybody around him. Cause I feel like one of the biggest things. Yeah. One of the biggest things is that this offensive line is communicating well. They're feeling each other out. Uh, they they sort of are able to intuit it, into it, of be intuitive to what everybody around them is doing. Uh, so I feel like that will take more time for him to gel with. Yeah, that I agree with. Communication and continuity, uh, being familiar with the other guys, is going to be is going to take time. He only had a training camp. Uh, you know, it wasn't, he didn't get any of the season reps. So I agree there and not so worried about him learning the scheme or being used to, to the techniques of the scheme, but getting the continuity, especially in the past game, we've seen how they've handled stunts and twists and the communication on deciphering blitzes has sometimes been spotty. That's going to be something that's going to need to be worked on for sure. Agreed. Let's get into the talk of the week. And that is this fourth and two call uh, that seemingly or not seemingly really did cost the jets, the opportunity at a win where fourth and two in the red zone and Zach Wilson runs a quarterback sneak up the middle uh, uh, with a pitch option to Braxton Berrios on a sweep behind him. And according to Robert Sala and Michael floor and the coaching staff, it's a option. If Zach Wilson looks and sees that the a gap appears open, he's going to keep the ball. Or if it doesn't look open, he gives it to Berrios on the sweep, but they wanted the ball to go to Berrios no matter what. And they didn't do a good enough job communicating that to Zach Wilson. Um, at a tweet go out today that blew up a little more than I was expecting it to, to be quite honest, uh, talking about what happened that caused Zach Wilson to, to, to fall for this. And really the a gap looked to be a little open 
Uh, it wasn't really as open as it appeared. You had Ndamukong Sue and William Golson, the defensive ends for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they were playing what's called a cocked slant stance, where instead of lining up completely horizontal or perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, uh, they are slightly cocked inside towards the center. And that's so that they can crash down at the snap and plug everything to the inside. They're not so worried about keeping their gap integrity straight on. They're crashing down and slanting in to shut down all the inside potential runs where if it's fourth and two, it's short yardage. That's what you're going to expect. So after the snap, Zach Wilson sees this gap that he thinks he can squeeze to squeeze through and it shuts down immediately. He gets tackled for, I think maybe a loss, if not a gain of no more than one yard ball goes over to the Buccaneers and we all know what happens next. Tom Brady does Tom Brady things. So who's to blame here? Who's who's at fault. And even if they are at fault, how much of an issue is this? So first off, let's not sugarcoat anything about this. This is Zach Wilson's fault. Zach Wilson made a bad read and that's okay. He's a rookie that thought he saw something open and didn't recognize the, the turn stances from the Tampa defensive line that would have told him that they were intending to crash down on the inside. And it would have made the sweep to Barrios that much more open. You were going to hope that Zach Wilson can identify that and make that call in that situation. But quite honestly, I'm more upset with the coaching staff for giving him the option for a sneak whatsoever. Why not just call a sweep to Barrios? Why not call a pass play? Why not call a different type of run? Call anything else where you aren't putting your rookie quarterback in this position to make a decision to cost you the game. And to be fair, Zach had not been doing anything to cost them the game. If anything, he'd been doing everything he could to keep the minute. So he deserved the confidence to, to make the right decision. But I wouldn't like that play call, period. I don't think that that is a good fourth and two call in general. And I thought that LaFleur called a pretty solid game overall. I don't think that was the issue, but in this particular instance, Zach Wilson made the wrong read, but I'm putting more blame on the jets coaching staff for putting him in a position to make the wrong read in the first place. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, they, they really shouldn't have. I mean, it, I feel like as of late, Zach's been spending a lot of time, doing all the right things, whether it's uh, his mechanics are looking a lot better. His uh, ability to go through progressions is looking a lot better. Uh, and maybe a lot of this is because he's gotten himself into kind of a regimen where he can mentally go through the things he needs to do and then does them. So when this play call came in, the regiment kicked back in maybe, and he saw that a gap slightly open. And that's when the regiment says, well, if it's open, that's what I should do. And that's what he did. And what uh, Sala said is, hey, if in the future, uh, maybe we'll, we'll let him freelance a little and make uh, decisions on his own. Uh, but they didn't do that. They didn't really give him the guidance the, to, to do that. So what he did is what you would expect a lot of rookies to do. And do things to the book. Yeah, I think you guys have covered it perfectly. Talking about the decision, Zach also made a poor decision. He was baited, yes, but he's also got to consider that everybody was crowded inside the box and he had that, that option to break some bears open. That was clear from the pre-snap look. I understand what he saw, but he made a mistake and he knows it. And, and I have to agree with you guys there. 
fourth and two, you sh- I know that the Jets love to give Zach Wilson can ability like two plays and let him pick one based on a prison outlook that he sees in defense. That's not a situation that you want to call a can. That's a quarterback sneak, right? Maybe if the Jets have the sweep to bears and as a can, if the Bucks are playing outside the tackle boxes with a couple of guys that basically are waiting for the, for the jet sweep, if you can can it to an inside zone round to the running back, okay, I'll get it. That, that that's part that's part of the process. But canning for a sneak, giving Wilson that kind of flexibility, that 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 made basically no sense for me. You know, I I, I honestly for a second thought that, that they were trying to to hide Wilson or just say, hey, let's just take it out and, and say that he had the option. But I don't think the coaches would lie. Honestly, everyone in the offense know what, what happened. They wouldn't lie. The all I know, the receivers know. I really think Wilson had the option to take on the sneak and decided to to do it. That was a poor decision. Yes. But most importantly, I don't understand how you can give your quarterback a cannibality to a sneak on fourth and two against the Bucks defense. Yeah. I don't know. And what makes it even worse is that it all came off of a timeout too. So they had extra time to really get everybody together and get everybody on the same page. Uh, so that just makes it all that much worse. And the, of course, after the game, you have personalities like Bart Scott and Willie Colon uh, saying that this is a character flaw in Zach which is absolutely rubbish. <laughs> There's absolutely no truth to that at all. Uh, it sounds like they want to push a narrative rather than just looking at it for what it actually was, a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. And that's okay. He's a rookie. He's made a handful of them this year. He's going to make more as his career goes on. That's the NFL. This is a tough business. This is a the defending Super Bowl champions with one of the best defenses in the NFL with a great defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles may have had his issues as a head coach when it comes to game management and you know things along that nature, but when it comes to his defense and his defensive scheme, that was never the problem. And he's been a great defensive coordinator in Tampa. He's going to fool a rookie quarterback every now and again. And I really don't think that Zach Wilson was doing any sort of glory chasing. I don't think this had anything to do with, with himself and wanting to be the guy that converted the first down. Zach Wilson wanted to win. Zach Wilson would have loved to go out there and say that I beat Tom Brady in my rookie season. Uh, how many other rookie quarterbacks get to do that? If that means Braxton Berrios is the one that gets the pitch and gets him over, gets the first down, that's going to be fine. He saw what he thought was open. He was coached to take it when he saw what he thought he saw. All he did was do what he was coached to do. And that's why for me, especially like you said, Matt, coming off a timeout, this is way more on the coaching staff for A, not communicating to him if that's a play that they have installed maybe as a goal line play in general, that that's not something they drew up, you know, for this particular fourth and two, they've practiced it. The rules are for him to read the A gap in general. That's how it's been drawn up all year. I get it. So when you're in that timeout, Robert Sala or Michael Floor, whoever it is, John Beck, whoever you got to have do it, have him go over, grab Zach before he goes back out in the field and say, whatever you do, hand it to Barrios. Doesn't ignore, don't even look at the A-gap, hand it to Barrios. That's what you would have to do as a coach. And the fact that the coaching staff didn't do that or call another play entirely is why the Jets did not win this game. But it doesn't absolve Zach Wilson from the great day that he had. And I don't think it absolves Michael Floor and Robert Sala from the overall solid coaching day I thought they had outside of that one call. Did it cost them the game? Yeah, it sucks. It matters. It's not something to brush off, but it doesn't invalidate the rest of a good performance taking the defending champions to the wire. 
Absolutely. And like we've said, a rookie mistake. But guess what? Zach's not the only rookie out there. So, yeah, a rookie mistake for Sala, a rookie mistake for McFleur as well. So there's a whole lot of blame to go around for this play. But you know what? I'm not going to lose any sleep on it because they've all grown throughout the year. And they've all shown what they can be going forward. And I'm very uh, happy about all that. Agreed. All right. I think that's the perfect transition to our last topic of the day. Uh, We got one more game of the season going to be in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills. Bills are fighting to figure out where they're going to be seated in the playoffs. They cannot get the one seed as far as I'm concerned. uh, As far as I'm aware, they are ineligible to mathematically impossible to get the one seed, but they could fall anywhere between potentially four and, you know, four through seven and two. And I don't know, this playoff seating is weird, but the Bills are going to be fighting hard. Jets are going to be fighting hard. They want to close the season strong. So we want to close this out and say, what can we expect out of this last game of the year? What can we hope to see heading into 2022 to end the year on a high note, give some uh, give some positive vibes before we get into the offseason and look ahead towards the future? Vitor, I'm going to let you have the floor first. What are you hoping to see in this last game? Well, starting with the offense, more of the same. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills, they're a tough matchup always. They have one of the best coverage teams in NFL, Poya and Makahai. I know that Tredavious White's not playing, but still, it's a tough secondary to play. They have a nasty front four. They're six to seven deep there. So the way if the Jets O-line have played and the way the Zach Wilson has played, I just want to see those guys do more of the same against a tough team like Buffalo. Because if they play well, like they did against Tampa, against Buffalo, it's like, okay, those guys are for real. Wilson is for real the o-line indeed gel and and the scheme is there so i want to see the offense do more of the same it would be great to see elijah Moore, although i don't think it will happen so we're going to see more of braxton barriers more of killing cole and more jeff smith but more of the same especially for zach wilson because the bills just like both they like to confuse they show you one thing they change post snap because those safeties are so interchangeable it's tough to play against them. So if Wilson can continue to play, not I won't say turnover free, but take care of the football, play smart ball, make good decisions, I'll be happy. And the defensive side of the ball, I know that the Jets play a lot of single high, and, and that has led to Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall in Ireland with Stefan Diggs. I want to see those two guys holding up. I'm not saying shut Stefan Diggs down, but don't let Diggs take over the game. That, that's something I really want to see because Diggs took over the first game at MetLife. That, that, that's what happened. And now they, they have a chance to play their deep third zone, match up with Diggs at one, one-on-one coverage in some third downs, and do a better job. If those two kids play really well again in the last game of the season, we might be looking at the Jets bringing the whole unit back at cornerback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for this game, I just don't want to see any backsliding. Uh, I don't want to see Zach go back to inaccurate passes, bad decision-making, bad mechanics. Uh, I want to see everything just continue down the same path that it seems to be going down. Uh, He's made great strides, and uh, it would be horrible to see him backtrack on the final game of the season. And I'm a little sad to see the season end, to be honest. It hasn't been a good season at all, especially record-wise. But at the same time, I want to continue to see this team grow. I have a hope inside me watching this team and having to wait another year to see it all come to fruition, maybe, is kind of painful. And 
I, I it's 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 a mixed bag of, of of emotions going into this last game. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, we have early in the year, we have the struggles. We have the, did we make a mistake with Zach Wilson? Is he going to improve? And and all the discourse around that. And now we finally get to a point where we're all happy with this kid, where we're all really excited for the future. And we you know we think we really got something here for the first time in a while. And it's like it's like it's being taken away from us almost. It's like we're getting a taste and then they're ripping it away and we we just want to see more. So I can completely agree that, you know, being excited for the future is a good thing. I don't think when Adam Gase was the coach for two years that any of us were very excited for the future. And we're certainly in a different position now. Um, first and foremost, what, what I'm most looking forward to uh, is I went ahead and I looked at the, the supposed weather report uh, for Buffalo, New York on Sunday. Um and of course, this is always subject to change looking out, you know, close to a week ahead. But as of right now, there's a 60% chance of freezing rain at about 24 degree temperatures. So what I'm looking forward to seeing is how is Zach Wilson going to handle playing a game late in the season in an environment like Buffalo, where it could potentially be in the elements where you could potentially be dealing with snow or, you know, the ground being wet. And, you know, this is, this is tough football. You're in the AFC East. You know, you want to win the AFC East. You got to go through New England and you got to go through Buffalo. Those are tough places to play. I'm excited to see how Zach Wilson can can handle it. And hopefully for the future of the AFC East, we're getting some some big time matchups at the end of the season with playoff implications. And I want to see how Zach Wilson handles those. Uh, maybe a glimpse of that in this game. And, and last but not least, I want to see the Jets as a team, coaching staff, players, everybody. I want to see them go out with a bang and, and, you know, pull out all the stops. This is the the last game of the season. This is your last opportunity to showcase what you got heading into the next season. You got a lot of guys fighting for starting roles, fighting to stay on the team, fend off potential draft picks, make coaches and GMs more comfortable uh, heading into the year with their position. You know, this is the, this is the time to shine. Let's see some more trick plays from Michael floor. We've already seen some, we saw the, the Barrios uh, what reverse was a Philly special that he just ran in, you know, let's see some more of that. Let's see some more exotic coverages from, from Jeff Ulbrich. Let's see some new blitzes. Let's see continuing to be aggressive on fourth down. Just play this game, play this game with no abandon, play this game as toughly and as aggressively as you can pull out all the stops, do everything you can to steal a win and, and head into 2022 on a positive note. Absolutely. All right, guys. I think that does it for this week. Uh, another great show as always. Um, we'll be back next week to review the final game of the season, have our end of season awards. So make be sure on the lookout for that review, the college championship game, any future prospects be a handful of them on both of those teams. The jets could be interested in. So we'll get into that as well, but until then, thank you guys so much for listening. I have been your host, Andrew. You can find me at Andrew golden underscore 17 guys. You know, the drill. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor. And you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. As always, you can follow at OKD Podcast on Twitter to get all the updates there. Thank you again so much for listening. And we'll be back next week to close out a turbulent, wild, but overall pretty fun and definitely exciting Jets season. Thank you. Bye-bye.